on parables. So tonight is our last parable. This is called the parable of the fig tree. Um, is anyone familiar with this parable? Yes, a little bit? A little bit? Okay. Um, one of the things that we keep asking is, what is a parable? And I, I love this because every time someone answers the same thing, and I, and I always tell them, not quite. All right, so what is a parable? Yes. Yes. That, that does sound more flowery than the other definition, I guess. Will you repeat what the real definition is? It's a story that only people with the ears to hear can hear. What? Yes. Hey, hey, yes, that was correct. Um, all right, so for tonight, let's read. This is really short. Uh, three verses here. Um, so let's start. It'll be verse 6 in chapter 13. And he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down, why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, sir, let it alone this year also. Until I dig around it and put on it manure, then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we would ask that you would open our ears and eyes and hearts to hear from you tonight. Lord, we don't want to take the privilege to open your word lightly. Lord, that the very words of God, the creator of the universe, are here, that we're reading and that we're seeing. Lord, I pray that those words would carry weight in our lives. Lord, I pray that those words would change our hearts. They would change the direction of our lives. Lord, they would stir in our hearts affections for you as we see more and more of who you are. Lord, we pray in our a hard passage tonight, Lord, that you um, would bring many to repentance. And we ask this all in your name. Amen. Amen, amen. So the parable of the fig tree. The first thing that I think you can see from this parable is this fig tree is fruitless. Right? This fig tree that's supposed to have fruit is fruitless. Now, you can probably infer this, that the, the parable is about God planting a tree, although he says a man plants a tree. This is talking about God planting a tree, planting a fig tree. And um, I think what's actually cool for this one is uh, it would be called like a planting of the Lord, right? Have you heard that before? Yes. Okay. Right behind me. Okay, okay. We're connecting with dots. Um... So it says in the very first verse, he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. I want to point out a couple of important things here that I think are going to be important as we move forward. I want to pause so that you can see that 
It's God is the one who's planted the tree. It's God that has given it all its trimmings, privileges, resources, everything that's needed to flourish. And how do we know this? Well, one, it's planted in a vineyard. Are are any of y'all like vineyard people? You do some vineyard stuff? Yes? Yeah, cases. So he's going to get this, and the rest of y'all can kind of learn with me. Um, So a vineyard is really fertile soil. In order to plant a vineyard, you need super fertile soil. So the idea that he plants a fig tree in a vineyard tells you right off the bat that everything that's been given to this tree is the best it could ever get. It is the most fertile land that he's planted this fig tree in. It's planted in the vineyard. And there's no reason the tree should not produce fruit. It's been given everything it needs to produce fruit. And as we pause here, the the readers of this, right, as Jesus is telling this parable, there's a first audience that he's telling this to. The first audience that he's speaking to here is actually the Jews. He's telling the Jews that I've, I've planted this tree. I've given it everything that they need. And I'm still not seeing fruit. And at first we can picture this as literally the whole nation, right? There were some, but as a whole, there was no fruit. And he specifically is obviously back and forth with the Pharisees often, but as a representation of the whole of the Jewish people. You know, how true is it of the Jews that they were given everything they could have ever needed to grow fruit, right? In their history, God had given them the best land, he had overcome their enemies. He protected them. He had fed them in the desert and then in the promised land. And now, if that wasn't enough, he has sent his own son right before their eyes. Literally the word of God preaching the word of God. Think about that. If it could ever be more obvious what God is trying to tell them, it had to be in the person of Jesus speaking the words of Jesus. And still, there was no fruit. How much more do we even have this today? So if we make the jump, uh, right? So we're talking about the uh, Jewish people and the people of that day getting this message. But I do think there is a meaning for us today as well. And possibly even saying a more so. So a guy named J.C. Ryle says it this way, but if we mean to get the full benefit of this parable before us, then we must look beyond the Jewish church. We must look to the Christian churches. They have light, truth, doctrines, precepts, the whole counsel of God, of which the heathen never hear. How great is their responsibility Is it not just and right that God should expect fruit from them? We must look at our own hearts. We live in a land of Bibles. All of you have a Bible. It wasn't true of the Jewish people. It's not true of many believers across this world. And yet you have access to one immediately. Probably access to 10, 20. I mean, in this room alone. You have Bibles. 
You have liberty here. You have the freedom to worship. Not even the Jews really had that. You have gospel preaching. Sunday, Wednesdays, throughout the week. The gospel is presented to you. Over and over and over again. Jesus presented to you. How much more do we maybe have this? How vast are the advantages we enjoy compared to the Chinese, those in India, across the Middle East? Let's never forget what God, let's never forget that God expects fruit from us for what we've been given. <clears throat> so next he says, and he came seeking fruit on it, on the fig tree, and found none. What fruit was he hoping to find? Well, on a fig tree, of course, he was hoping to find watermelons, potatoes, chickens. I don't know. Of course not, right? He's, he's trying to look for figs on a fig tree. When you plant a fig tree, you expect figs, right? If one of you were to take a tree, right, you go out to Pike or somewhere else, you take a tree and you plant it, and all, that tree says lemon tree. You're not going to sit around hoping that tree produces grapes, right? You're also not going to sit around thinking, well, it's a lemon tree, but it's never going to produce lemons. Because if that tree doesn't ever produce lemons, what makes it a lemon tree? Nothing, right? So a fig tree is a fig tree as it produces figs. You expect it to produce figs. Why? Because that's what it was created to produce. It was created to produce that thing. So the question for us is, what were we created to produce? What is your fruit supposed to be? Do you realize that we are not supposed to just spin our way from birth to death? Day after day, go to sleep, wake up, go to sleep, wake up, spin, 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 spin. We're not supposed to be some hamster on a wheel. You ever heard that expression before? Just running on the hamster wheel. How sad is that? But often we can get there and we can feel that way. We have been given purpose if we're followers of Jesus in this room. If we have been made new, you have been given purpose. You have been recreated to bring forth something. The Bible tells us that we are new creations, that with new hearts and new desires, with new power and ability, you and I are called to bear fruit. We are remade for a purpose. I think we can get off track here when we talk about the gospel, when we talk about coming to faith, when we talk about placing faith in our Lord and Savior. When Jesus saves us, it's not just to save us from something. It's actually also to save us to something. You're not just saved from something, but you're saved to something. Which means this, when you come and place your faith in Jesus, it's not over. It's not like, okay, did that, got to move on with the rest of my life. When you come to Jesus and you place faith in him, yes, he absolutely saves you from your sin. 
He absolutely covers you with his righteousness. But it's not the only thing that he saved you for. Or from. But he saved you for something better. You realize that as you are saved by Jesus, you and I are given the power to deny sin, to live with righteousness, to do good works, to follow Jesus. All of these things. You're not only saved from something, but you're saved to something. We are remade for a purpose. When you and I, by the grace of God, through faith alone and Christ alone, are forgiven and made new, we are made for a new purpose. We are made to have new fruit. So again, I ask, what fruit are you producing as you've been remade? What's your fruit? The Bible really only speaks of two trees in reference to this story. There's one tree in reference to humanity, one tree that produces fruits like hatred, malice, bitterness, sexual morality, dissension, envy, greed, selfishness, pride. I can keep going. The Bible lists these multiple times. This is one kind of tree. That produces that fruit. And then it talks about another tree that has this parable in view. The other tree produces fruit becoming of a new tree, different in makeup from the last. This tree is a new creation tree. It produces fruit in line with its new creation, fruits of the spirit that have changed its DNA. Do you realize that you have been changed? Literally, your makeup is changed. The Bible calls you and I new creations. Not kind of the same creations, new creations. And a lot of the problem with us producing fruit is that we continue to live with the old creation. We continue to be burdened and stopped and taken down by the old. And not remembering that you and I are new creations in Christ. Made for good works. Saved for good works. Saved to raise high the name of Jesus. You weren't saved from something only, but you were saved to something. When you think about fruit that's produced from this tree, and give you some ideas these may sound familiar. Things like, do you see fruit in your life of unconditional love? Not conditional love, unconditional love. Do you see fruit of peace passing understanding? That you don't know why, you don't know how, but for some reason I feel at peace knowing who God is and who I am. In him. Do you see patience to wait on the Lord in your life? Do you see that fruit? Do you see kindness to all you encounter? Do you see desire to hold on to what is good and throw out what is evil? Does sin break your heart? Are you trying to get rid of it? Are you trying to hold on to what's good and get rid of what's evil? 
Are you faithful to your master? And what he's called you to, are you growing in faithfulness? Are you gentle in that given the power that you may have, you wield that power with gentleness? And last, are you self-controlled by the Spirit of God? Are you someone who always gives in to every single temptation of your heart? Or are you seeing yourself growing? I'm not any of these things are perfect. But do you see yourself growing in self-control? Growing and watching the Spirit take hold of your heart and you see yourself start to overcome the temptations in your life. The temptations to always gravitate towards the selfish desire, the fleshly desire. Do you see yourself starting to grow in self-control? That self-control is going to say, that's not me anymore. I'm not going that way. The Spirit of God in me is giving me self-control. These are the fruit of the fig tree. Do you see this fruit in your own life? But in the story, we see that this fruit's missing. And because the fruit's missing, let's look at verse 7. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now, I've come seeking fruit on the fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? Let me ask you for an example of this. Um, so let's say your phone stops working, right? Doesn't work anymore. turns off, goes black screen, can't turn back on. I know we can gasp for a second. Do you keep it around just because of how it looks? Maybe. Some of you are crazies. Right? Do you keep it around just because of how it looks? No. It goes in a drunk junk drawer, or at best, you trade it in. Why? Because it doesn't serve a purpose anymore. You don't need to use plug space for a phone that's never going to turn on, right? It would be silly to continue to plug a phone in that's never going to turn on and waste a plug. It would be silly to waste counter space for a phone that doesn't work. It would be silly to waste pocket space and carry around a phone that's always going to be black screen. But why? Because the thing for which it was created for, it's not doing and what do you do when your phone breaks like this, right? You go to the store and you get one that works. Should you keep something around that is only taking and never giving? That is never fruitful. So the lesson for us is this, that borrowed time is not permanent. Some of you in here possibly are only taking the privileges and goodness of God and you have never opened your heart to actually give any of that back. You've taken the, the salvation of God, you've got your card, you're good, and nothing else has been given back. Not your things, not your life, not your mind, not your heart. God's patience has a limit as this parable will tell us. Christ stands at the door of each man's heart, knocking and seeking to gain entrance and requiring repentance of him. 
But if there's no fruit, no repentance, his patience will come to an end. And the fruitfulness, fruitlessness, unrepentant individual will be cut down. We all live on borrowed time. Judgment is near. I said and prayed at the very beginning that this is a hard parable. This was hard for the Israelites and the Jewish people. This is hard for us. Because we don't like judgment. We don't like the idea of someone asking us to do anything, honestly. That's not something we want to do. And what he's asking in this parable is, if you continue to be unrepentant and not fruitful, continuing in those things, the time is nearing where that won't go for much longer. That's why the prophet Isaiah wrote, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil men his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, he will freely pardon. You realize you live on borrowed time right now. My encouragement, and I think Jesus' encouragement in this parable is don't continue in the Repent and come to Jesus. Produce fruit for him as you were created to do. You know, I realized that this tree had been growing for three years. And I, when I first read this parable, I thought, oh, three years, that's not that much. And then I thought for a second, I was like, you know, dogs have dog years, right? Do trees have tree years? Guys, they do. Okay. So just follow me for a second. Ten human years is equal to one tree year. Okay? Ten human years to one tree year. Which means what here? This tree is 30. That's a long time. 30 years. So what Jesus is coming back around to, I'm trying to make a point that the patience of God is not short. The kindness of God is not short. How often he has come back over and over, hoping, hoping, hoping that there's fruit. You see, the last thing he says puts an even further exclamation point on the patience of God. The last two verses, he says this, Sir, let it alone this year. This, as commentators would say, this is Jesus speaking. Until I dig around it and put manure on it. Then if I should bear fruit next year. If it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Jesus here is interceding for the people. His desire is that all would come to know him. But know that the time is not forever and pleads for some more. The time is not forever. Jesus is saying, please come. I... He talks about here digging and fertilizing. He's saying, hey, when you have a tree in a hard ground, it's really hard for that tree to get the nutrients it needs. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to dig around it. I'm going to break up the hard soil. I'm going to put fertilizer. I'm going to put stuff down there so that the tree can actually maybe bear fruit for the first time. And what Jesus is saying is that I'm going to do those things hoping, praying that finally... <coughs> 
they come to repentance. But also realize that he acknowledges that this is not forever. Christ does this for us and for us that call ourselves followers of Jesus. So the question again is, are you fruitful? Are you repentant? The idea of repentance being that are you seeing in your life a desire to turn away from sin and to follow Jesus? Do you see that in your life? That you turn from sin and you follow Jesus? Something that sounds really simple but honestly is incredibly difficult unless the Lord changes our heart. Do you see your sin, turn from it, and go towards Jesus? Do you see that pattern in your life? Have you come to the humble place to actually turn from sin and go to Jesus? <coughs> or are you still stuck in your pride? It's like, I'm going to figure it out. I'm fine. It's fine. There's not infinite amount of time. It's just not. Don't waste the time. God has put us on his earth. He can take us away at any time. We have not been made only to breathe God's air, eat his food, drink his water. We've been placed on earth for the purpose of bringing forth fruit. The basic question is this. Have we yielded the fruit that we were intended to yield? The first fruit is that of repentance. An acknowledgement before God that you have sinned against him and you deserve his wrath. But Christ has taken that punishment on your behalf. So now we are called to just place faith in Christ and his work. Leading us to accept forgiveness and turn from our sins toward Jesus and obedience. And close with Titus 2, 11 through 14, talking about this. Titus 2 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of, of our great God and Savior, who gave himself for us to redeem us and purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. My hope and prayer for you, if you are a follower of Jesus in this room, is that you are zealous for good works. That we are zealous for good works. That we're zealous for turning from ungodliness, for turning from sin, for turning from this world, and wanting to obey Christ. We can't do any of that on our own. You and I need the Spirit of God to work in us to do so. So don't leave this room feeling like I gotta go get fruit, I gotta figure out how to produce fruit, I gotta figure out how. That's not the point. The point is to allow the Spirit of God to draw your heart to repentance and to ask Him to start producing fruit in your life. You know, all the fruits that I read off earlier, those lists of things. Those are all, if you didn't know, this should have been pretty obvious, but those are all fruits of the Spirit. And the only way you get fruits of the Spirit is that you have the Spirit. 
So my desire is that those are the things that grow in you and I who follow Christ. And that we aren't the fruitless fig tree, but that we come in repentance and we start from living fruit. Okay. Let's pray.